I'm one of them, but grateful that I have the privilege of being your pastor. Some of you uh, here for your first time today or haven't been here for a while, welcome. Uh, Good to have you here. God does give us uh, many gifts of His mercy, uh, uh, despite or even because of our sin and our trust in Him. Uh, So, none greater given to me than the salvation uh, that has been given me uh, as a free gift through faith in Christ. Probably second to that, for sure second to that, is just the gift of my wife. It's her birthday today. We've been married 22 years, uh, so I know she doesn't want me to draw attention to that, but I just did. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'm very grateful. But Pastor Nick drew attention to my singing, and I don't want attention for that either. So um, very grateful uh, that we get to live life together. My life would not be nearly as good as it is uh, without her. So very grateful for her life. Uh, birthdays really are an opportunity uh, to do a couple of things. Maybe you do this on your birthday. You look back a little bit and you look ahead a little bit. This last year in March, our church celebrated our 40th birthday as a church. It's a good time now in the month of June. We're doing some looking back, some looking ahead, some stepping back from walking verse by verse through Luke. And we spent three weeks looking at our church's vision. So we say that we are a church who wants to increasingly become molded by God's Word. We looked at Colossians chapter 3. And motivated by God's glory. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As we make disciples throughout God's world, and there we looked at Matthew chapter 28 last week. Today, we're just doing one week looking at our church's mission. That's something that our church has had in front of them. The, the vision kind of for about 10 years. The mission for a lot longer than that. Here's what this church has been about. Simply this, to know Christ and make Him known. It's short enough we can put it on a t-shirt, on a hoodie, and on a bench out in front of our building that people drive by. We exist to know Christ and to make Him known. So why do we give money? Why do we have worship services? Why do you pay pastors? Why do we run programs? Why is VBS happening in a couple of weeks? The answer to all those questions as we looked at last week is to make disciples... Or another way to say it is to know Christ and to make Him known. So today we're going to look at a passage that highlights the value of knowing Christ. This is one of the top five favorite passages of mine in all of Scripture. Uh, A couple years ago we preached through the book of Philippians and Pastor Nick got to preach this passage. So I'm glad that I get to preach it now. He did an excellent job But I love it, and I want to preach it now today as we highlight the value of knowing Christ and making Him known. So, if you have a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're just going to look at verses 7 through 11 today. Inside your bulletin is also a sermon notes page, so you can turn there if that's helpful for you. If you're able to, as we read the very Word of God, would you please stand? We'll pray, and then we'll read the Word before you're seated. Father... For your purposes, you've brought this group of people together today. Many of us, by your grace, have been saved through faith in Jesus. And we know Jesus. God, would you encourage us to desire to know Him more and to desire to make Him known? And would you, in the hearts and lives and minds of those who have come in today who do not know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would bring about conviction of sin and that you would make them new even here today as we gather, that they would come to know that there is nothing better in this life than to know 
Christ Jesus as Lord. We trust in you and ask that you accomplish your purposes for your glory now. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, God's word says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen. You can be seated. Some of you know, probably all of us know, some people who seem to have like everything going for them. Right? That they're, they're talented, they're wise, they're influential, maybe wealthy, smart, winsome, well-respected by others. We know people like that. Well, in verses 4 through 6, Paul, we didn't read those, I read verses 7 through 11, but in verses 4 through 6, Paul is sharing a list of reasons that he would have for having confidence in himself. There are a lot of reasons that Paul, the Apostle Paul, would have for having confidence in himself. He goes through a list of things like his religious training. He had a great level of religious training. His tribal affiliation, which was impressive. His obedience to God's law. His professional accomplishments. His holiness. This is the list that he shares in verses 4 through 6. This guy was top-notch. He was elite. He was cream of the crop. He was major league material. Paul was the kind of man that other Jewish men wanted to be. But he already was that. And he was still relatively young. Right? So, so this is the kind of guy we're talking about. So Paul makes this list saying, hey, if you think anybody else has reasons to have confidence in themselves, I have more. Right? This guy had a very impressive resume. And that's what he lists in verses 4 through 6, which is what makes it really shocking when we get to verse 7. And he says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. All of these things that show up on his resume that make him a really impressive man to everybody around him, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. On an accounting profit and loss statement, the things that used to show up in the black in the profit column are counted as loss. What was once an asset is now a liability. Things that look impressive to him that he once valued above all the kinds of other things, he now says that's a loss. And what does he say? What's the reason? It says in verse 7, I now count it as loss for the sake of Christ. 
All of those things that Paul counted as very valuable and he lived his life striving for, he says, now they're not helpful for the cause of Christ. In fact, those things are actually getting in the way sometimes of the cause of Christ. And for the sake of Christ then, I count those things that were once again now as loss. For the sake of Christ. And he's just going to keep intensifying this. Look at verse 8. In verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss. So not just the things that he listed in verses 4 through 6, but there's more on top of that. Not just what I listed, but even more than that, I now count it as loss. And again, we have another reason. Because of something. Look at it there in verse 8. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Why do the things that seemed one time so valuable, so impressive to other people, why are they now counted as lost? It's because he's comparing them to something so much better. The reason that those very impressive, important things are now counted as lost is because the something so much better is what he says here because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ. Knowing Christ Jesus. Christ is the title, right? The Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus is His name. And here Paul calls Him, My Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is better than anything I once gave my whole life for. Note, this is the only time in all of Paul's writing that he refers to Jesus as my Lord. Right? He refers to Jesus as Lord many times, but here he refers to Jesus as my Lord. So this knowing that Paul is talking about, that, that points us to the fact that the knowing that Paul is talking about a lot of times when we think about knowing in our context, knowing is something that only happens in our mind. Like, oh, I know that. Or I don't know that, so I'm going to Google that. Right? That's not the kind of knowing that we're talking about here. When Paul says, he, when he talks of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, he's talking about knowing in a more personal, relational kind of way. Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, he says here. So Paul saying all of these things as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And then it continues in verse 8, For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. See how he just keeps intensifying it? What was gain, now it's loss. Now it's just not those things, but all things. And now he's saying, I don't just count it as loss. I'm throwing it in the garbage. I count it as rubbish. In fact, if you have the NIV, it says garbage. Right? Most translations say rubbish like this. The King James, which some of you use, along with the Christian Standard Bible, which is another good translation that some of you use, they translate it dung. If you don't know what that is, kids, ask your parents. I don't want to say what that is in front of everybody. But he's saying, all of these things that I once gave my life for and I counted as great value, I don't just put them as like, oh, now they're second and third place. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, these things I once gave my life for, they're in the garbage pile. They are like a pile of dung compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's a pretty strong language. 
seems pretty important to Paul that he now knows Christ. In a way, Paul is just living out what Jesus said to his disciples. Let's talk about just some application of this. Paul is just living out what Jesus said to his disciples. Mark chapter 8, 34 to 36. Here's what Jesus said. And calling the crowd to himself with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus speaking now, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So I think Paul here is just obeying Jesus. He's looking at everything he once thought very important and valuable, and in comparing that to knowing Jesus, he's so convinced that Jesus is better that he says, I'm willing to lose all of that other stuff for the sake of Christ. I want to illustrate this. So do I have, can I have a volunteer who is, I want to pick somebody particular. Somebody is six, seven, or eight years old. Six, seven, or eight years old. So if you're six, seven, or eight, and you'd be willing to come up front, raise your hand. Do we have, Emery? Excellent, come on up. You come up here, and I want to have you stand, let's see. I want to have you stand so everybody can see you. Hey, by the way, one of the people we're praying for this week, going to camp, I think for, is it the first time going to camp this week? Second time. I can't believe you're old enough to go to camp two times. That's crazy. So this is Emery, and she's going to help me out with something. Emery, can I have you put out your hands like this? Have them separate. So one hand over here and one hand here. And I'm going to give Emery some things that I think are pretty valuable, okay? Uh, There's some things that are valuable to us because we just like them. I really like the game of baseball, so I'm going to hand you a baseball in that hand, okay? Also, a lot of us find money to be quite valuable, so I have some money here. So I'm going to hand to you, Emery. You might need to put your fingers together. There we go. Oh, there's some money. Some of it fell on the ground a little bit more. You want a dollar bill, too? I'm going to put that on there. Okay. Also, there's valuable things like uh, our car and our house. I'm giving you my car keys and my... Do you drive yet? You don't. Good. Um, I'm going to set that right there. And then also, phones are very valuable. So I brought my phone. Would you like a... Do you have a phone yet? Okay, so you had one and it broke. I'll just give you my phone. How about that? Okay, there, I'm going to just set it right there. Now, Emery is holding a lot of stuff and she's doing a great job. But now if Emery, I told you, I have something that's better than all of those things. And I was ready to give it to you and just went like this. What would you have to do? You see what I, so by the way, uh, this was made for me by Caleb. He's sitting right over there. He made this for me and gave it to me as a gift. And, and it's a cross. If you can't see it from where you're at, it's a cross. Now, if I said this represents Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, if you gain everything, uh, yet forfeit your soul, if you would deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, if I were to say, Emery, I'll give you this because that's better than all those things. What would you have to do if you were going to hold this? I don't know. You you know what I think might be helpful? What if you put some of those things in there, right? You just kind of got rid of some of that. Excellent. Go ahead and put that phone in there too because that's kind of 
getting in the way. There we go. And a couple, just go ahead, dump it all in there. That'd be even easier. You just give it all up, and then you can hold that, can't you? Like that's, that. Now you can hold that, and what you just did is you traded in a bunch of stuff that seemed really valuable, and you picked up something that was more valuable, right? You did a great job. Emery, thank you for helping me out. You can go back. I'm going to take this because I keep it, okay? Good job. So, so Emery was helping us to see something that I think it's important for us to see. If we spend all of our lives just trying to hold on to the things that we and many others around us seem to think are very, very valuable and important, whether that be you know, money, hobbies, the things that we own, we try to hold on to that. Our hands are so full that we're unable to take hold of that which is more valuable. Right? And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, what I once thought gain, all of this stuff, I'm not just trying to like add on top of that Christ. I'm saying that knowing Christ is so much better than all of that, that I am counting that as loss. I'm putting that in the garbage pile, right? In order that I might gain Christ. That's what Paul is saying here in verses 7 and 8. And so an application for us would be very simple this. Let me just kind of make it pointed because of something that's coming out this week. Church, we, we decided in April to move ahead with plans to add on to our building by forming a building committee and a building finance committee. They're working hard and this past Monday, the elders and deacons got to see a draft of a letter and a commitment card that they're putting together that I think will be sent out to the church this week. So, if you're a regular part of this church family, you'll be getting something in the mail. Among other things in that letter, you're going to be asked to pray and going to be asked to give. You're going to be asked to let go of something that's valuable to you, something that you have earned or been given in some way, money, and say, well, because we think a, an addition to the building would be a useful tool to help in this, in this mission of knowing Christ and making him known, I'm going to take something that's valuable to me and I'm going to give to that end for the sake of Christ, right? Now, I told the elders and deacons on Monday that, yes, I'm excited that if people give, we can have a building that I think will be very useful for us. But even more than that, I told them, what I'm excited about, I'm excited about the fact that it gives us the opportunity to take what God has given to us and to say, I really like the many good gifts that God has given to me. But I also need to convince myself that Jesus is better, that knowing Christ and making him known is more important than me holding on to all these things. And one of the ways that we can convince ourselves of that is by giving these things away. So more than, more than I'm excited about this, 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 you know, this money that's given, being able to use a, put up a building that's going to be useful, I'm excited for what God's going to do in our heart. Here's what Jesus says. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So, so Brooke's going to put this up on the screen just because I want to make it clear. What I want to encourage us and challenge us with is, church, let's let go of earthly treasures. Lose them. Give them away. Yes, to give toward a building project, not only because the building will be a tool to help us know Christ and make Him known, but because in letting go of earthly treasures, we are training our hearts 
to become less attached to what is less valuable and more attached to what is eternally, eternally valuable. Okay? So that, that's the challenge that's coming with this. By the way, what they're going to do is they send out this stuff. If you are, if you are, are a family that has kids in your home with you, they're going to be sending a commitment card for all the kids in your house too. Because kids, we want you to be involved in this to say, all right, I think a new building would be pretty cool, and I have some money. Like they give me money for, you know, working sometimes or, or for my birthday or whatever, and I want to give some of that money. We want you to make a commitment as well. So that's going to be in there too. That's just one way that we can convince ourselves that knowing Christ is better, therefore I give what I have in earthly treasure to remind myself that what, what, what we can have in Christ, what we have in Christ, is eternally better than that. So that's one possible point of application of that first bit. I want to keep going in this, because what Paul is really doing here is he is sharing his testimony. So we get to verse 9. And we hear really the heart of the gospel. Look at verse 9. Paul says this, and, he's talking about knowing Christ, right, gaining Christ, and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. In, the same, in a sense, Paul is saying kind of like the same thing in a few different ways. Talking about knowing Christ, talking about gaining Christ, and talking about being found in Christ. They're, they're different, but similar in what Paul is saying. This is the heart of the gospel. Paul, who had these great credentials, right? His resume, super impressive. Yet, he recognized that he was a sinner separated from God by his sin. Paul followed the law meticulously as a Pharisee. But this did not make him righteous before God. How was Paul made righteous before God? Well, he says it twice in verse 9. It comes by faith. Right? Paul made righteous before God. How? By faith. Not because of the religious rituals that he went through. That couldn't make him righteous before God. The family he was born into couldn't make him righteous before God. The zeal that he displayed in his work, his strict discipline in obeying God's law, none of those things could make Paul righteous before God. Only a gift of God through faith in Jesus. Paul having his eyes open to the glory of God in the gospel of Christ and him trusting in Christ alone. We call this justification, being declared righteous, and it comes in one way, and that is by faith. That's what we see in verse 9. So, application point of verse 9 is very straightforward. It is this, that your presence here today at a worship service in a church cannot make you righteous before God. That your presence at every worship service every Sunday for your whole life cannot make you righteous before God. Right? The, the way you love other people, the amount of money that you give, the amount of time that you give, the way you serve other people, none of that can make you righteous before God. I use this passage often when I share my own testimony because I can so resonate with Paul. I was born to Christian parents. Praise God for that. I grew up attending a gospel-preaching church my whole life. Praise God for that. 
I didn't get wrapped up into addictions of alcohol, drugs. I got good grades. I was a well-rounded student who did all kinds of things academically and musically. My, my, my resume was impressive. So when I started doing like scholarship applications, ooh, that looked good, right? He's in all kinds of things. And I figured out that I knew I could figure out how I could impress different kinds of people. So I spent my early years figuring out how I could impress different kinds of people. My problem was that I thought all of those things were what was most valuable. And I mistakenly believed that just like I could get other people to like me, I could get God to be impressed by me as well. Praise God that He opened my eyes up when I was 18 years old that I could see that all of those things that I had been living my life for was like a pile of dung compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and being saved and declared righteous in one way and one way alone and that was through faith in Christ. This is a work that God did in me and if it's a work that God has not yet done in you, I encourage you today to look at all that you find valuable all that you have rested your faith on, like, oh, I'm impressing God with this, and recognize today that all of that before the Lord is as though it's a pile of dung compared to the surpassing worth of just knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Finding righteousness in Him alone. But there's two more verses. Two more verses, verses 10 and 11. Paul gets back to talking about knowing Christ And this time, he talks about knowing him more through experience. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Paul is united to Christ. He's being found in him, it says in verse 9. But in verse 10, it says this, that I may know him, there it is again, know him, and the power of his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul, since God saved him, has experienced both of those things. Sharing in the power of Jesus' resurrection, he has gotten to witness and be a part of the powerful, mighty, resurrecting work of God as Paul has been one proclaiming the gospel and he's seen people turn, repent of their sin, trust in Jesus, be made new, Grow up, lead, church it, right? So just think about this. If you want to know, Paul, this is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. We call it Philippians. We read about Paul's experience in Philippi in the book of Acts chapter 16. And if you went back and read Acts chapter 16, you would find that when Paul came to Philippi, he preached the gospel to a wealthy Asian businesswoman named Lydia. She hears the gospel and believes, and soon many others do. A church is started there. He's now writing this letter to them 11 years later. But before he even left Philippi, Paul was beaten and thrown in jail. And in the 11 years since then, Paul has been beaten numerous times, has suffered greatly, has been imprisoned. In fact, he's writing the letter to the church in Philippi, this very letter, from prison. Right? So as a prisoner, Paul is writing this. So Paul has experienced not just justification by faith in Christ, he's experienced sanctification. He is coming to know Christ more and more. How? Through his life experience. Sometimes through powerful displays of God's resurrection power saving people, and sometimes by sharing in Christ's sufferings, 
It hasn't always gone well for Paul. In fact, most of the time it hasn't gone well for Paul. He's coming to know Christ through sharing in Christ's sufferings. And then verse 11, this is I think what gets Paul through it, that he knows what's coming, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul looking ahead to his future glorification, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, whatever happens to Paul's earthly body here on this earth, no matter how many times he gets beaten, even if he is executed, which will happen about two years after he writes this letter, he knows what his future holds. Resurrection from the dead, just as Christ was resurrected from the dead. Paul is the one who wrote in Romans 8, chapter 30, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He knows where all of this is headed. And so I love reading Philippians 3, going over it again and again in my mind for Paul there was nothing better than knowing Christ. And he gave his life to make Christ known. I'm grateful for Paul's testimony and the way that he weaves in a clear presentation of the Gospel in it here in these few short verses in Philippians 3. As we seek to make Christ known, we shouldn't underestimate the way in which God could use our personal testimony in the lives of It might not be as dramatic or intense as Paul's was, but God might use it. So I want to end by just pointing out, here's some things we can learn from Philippians chapter 3 about how God might use us in sharing our personal testimony in order to make Christ known. Okay, So three things. Number one, let me tell you how God has flipped what I value. You know what people like to talk about? What's valuable to them. Isn't that pretty natural? It's pretty natural. We talk about what's valuable to us. Probably a lot of the stuff that's here, right? We, we like to talk pretty naturally about... So it's not abnormal for you to be having a conversation with somebody where you're talking about what it is you value. That's a great way to segue into talking about how God has flipped what you value. That's what Paul does at the beginning here. You know, all these things that I once thought gain, I've now counted as loss. Well, that's intriguing to somebody hearing that from the outside, especially somebody who also thought all of those things. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be like Paul. Paul had all that already? And now he's saying that's loss? Well, what's your deal? That's, that's going to get people curious, right? So we, we ask people, we can tell them how God has flipped what it is that we value. We can point out, again, we're not trying to like, make ourselves out to look great. We can acknowledge, like, he, I'm a sinner, and I still struggle with this. I still struggle with treasuring all these things that are in that bowl. That's an ongoing struggle in my life. Right? But there was a time where I valued those things a lot more than I do now. I wasn't even fighting against it. I just loved it. That was it. But now... What I value, what I consider of surpassing worth is not that stuff, but it's knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And, and let me tell you that I have not impressed God. So here's number two. Let me tell you how God saved me through faith in Christ. We need to make it clear to people 
Like, I didn't, I didn't get saved because I successfully turned away from those things and, and, and did a little better job of making them less a priority. No, I'm saved by God's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Let me tell you how God saved me through faith in Christ. And then third, let me tell you how God continues to work in me. Again, our experiences might not be as intense or dramatic as Paul's, but we need to make sure to share, as we share our testimony, of God's ongoing sanctifying work through both victorious displays of His power and through how God is shaping us to become more Christ-like through suffering. We live in a world that tries to avoid suffering and seek pleasure at any cost. Like, like the goal of many in our world is just like surviving and having as much fun as you can while you're trying to survive. And there's not much hope beyond that. But we who are in Christ have a hope that goes far beyond that. We can let them know that while I'm not there yet, I'm living with great hope for my future because of what Christ has done in the past and because of the fact that He is the King who is coming to reign again. And when He comes to reign again, I will be resurrected, this body resurrected, that I will be with Him living and reigning forever for His glory. For 40 years, church, 40 years plus now, this church has been all about knowing Christ and making Him known. That is our mission. Much has been done, and there is much yet to do. Let's continue to live together with this clear mission to know Christ and make Him known because we are convinced that knowing Christ, that being found in Him, that making Him known might require loss or suffering now, but we know that it's worth it because there is truly nothing better than knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Let's pray. God, for those of us uh, who are saved, I I just thank You uh, for opening our eyes up to the glory of the Gospel of Christ. And I just pray that You would convince us more and more each day that knowing Christ Jesus as Lord is better than anything. Would you help us to willingly give away valuable things for the sake of Christ? And as we do it, help us to be reminded that those things we hold on to so tightly now are not treasures that will last. And help us instead to give those treasures away that we might hold on to what will last eternally. Knowing Christ. God, help us to make Christ known through our personal testimonies. And even as we sing this closing song, which is really just a song of testimony, help us to sing it with loud voices. And would you even as we sing it, convince our hearts more and more that if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. In His name we pray. Amen. If you're